Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I got a ton of stuff to talk about, and I know it's a holiday weekend for us Americans, so I'm not sure if you'd want a longer or a shorter podcast, so I'm just going to spit it all out, and hopefully it all works out. So uh, let's jump right in. First up, a company called Unit-E is releasing a PC Classic box, and I got to admit, I saw this a week ago and thought for sure it was a joke. I thought it was exactly like when uh, somebody photoshopped the CDI and had the same type of picture where you know they joked about the CDI classic, I didn't realize somebody would actually put like a, a basically a DOS box uh, software inside a Raspberry Pi and made a custom case for it. So um, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, you know, if anybody that uses any kind of PC at all can use DOS box, and you already have your keyboard and mouse, but who knows, maybe a dedicated box for this stuff would be cool. Um, but I'm often wrong with stuff like this. So uh, let me know in the comments, is there an actual use for this that would provide anything over using your PC? Um, I think I'd seen somebody comment uh, that this is a great way to have a dedicated PC hooked up to your computer, which totally fair, but um, wouldn't any Raspberry Pi take care of that? But I don't know, uh, interested to read to read the comments on this one. Grey Rogue has submitted code to add Sega Game Gear support to the Master System core in the Mr. platform, which is pretty awesome. Um, these things, uh, these updates are hitting a couple times a week now, and uh, I just, I'm thrilled that we're getting all the support for all these different cores. There's a lot of Mr. News this week, so I'm just going to try to uh, tell it shortly so I don't over-explain one and then have to bring it up again in another segment. Here's a pretty big update for the Mr. platform. The cycle-accurate Motorola 68000 CPU core was just released. This was mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, and they were looking to port it over to the Mr. platform, but this means that any console that uses the Motorola 68000 chip, which is quite a few of them, could now have a cycle-accurate version of that chip in the core. So right off the bat, accuracy um, and performance of all of the cores that use it could be updated with this and immediately get at least a small bump. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, notably, the Genesis, uh, as well as the Jaguar, the Neo Geo, and the Saturn all have a 68,000 in it. So, uh, but there's quite a few more, a lot of the Atari platforms and other things. So um, definitely keep your eyes open for updated cores for all of those consoles that have better performance. The Wii and GameCube versions of the 240p test suite were just updated. I spoke to Artemio about this, and he said it was a, a few different things that were updated in the other versions that he just never got around to updating the Wii and GameCube versions. So now they're all up to date and should be about equal. Some of them have their own uh, features that can only be accessed on some consoles and not others, but the, the main features are, are certainly all, um, are, are all the same and uniform across all of them. 
And uh, for anybody that might be new to the game, uh, the 240p test suite is a set of tools that are just amazingly helpful uh, to anybody that needs to do any kind of calibration or lag testing or pretty much every set of software tools you could imagine for a console is built in. So if you have the ability to run Homebrew, I would add this everywhere in every console you can, just in case you ever need it, because it's one of those things that, you know, it'll sit on your ROM cart for a year and you might not fire it up, but the day you do, it's going to solve whatever problem you need at that moment. So thanks to Artemio and everybody else who contributes to that, as well as the forks of the project for keeping up the amazing work. In quite a shocking bit of Mr. News, a Super Nintendo FPGA core appeared seemingly out of nowhere on November 14th, and uh, just this morning on November 20th, the core was released to the Mr. platform, and it's playable. Uh, in fact, it's playable enough that people are saying for a first release, they're pretty shocked at how good it is. So this obviously isn't something that you drop on the Mr. and then go play through A Link to the Past. Or maybe you do, but expect some weirdness at first. But that's some pretty fast progress. And that's pretty incredible, uh, especially when, it, uh, you know, you go back to listening to the Kevtra story and hear how, uh, you know, the incredible effort that it took for the Super NT to be released. And, you know, it is a little different when you have a team of people working on it. And, of course, accuracy is always a thing. You know, Kevtris' stuff is, is pretty damn accurate. <laughs> so, you know, th those are all things to be considered. But it's just kind of mind-blowing that all of this is growing so quickly. Um, I also reached out to J.W. Donald, the person who had done his own SNES FPGA core, and even showed it working on a DE10 Nano a few years ago, and asked if he had any plans now that uh, all of these other cores were released, and he didn't, I never heard back from him. He's not really active on his forum. Um, I think he might be a little upset with himself for asking for almost half a million dollars for that core two years ago. Um, you know, that's probably what it was worth if you, it was a hired thing, but I think he may have underestimated both uh, Kevtris's raw talent to get this done and out quickly, as well as the, the willingness of everybody in the retro gaming community to help out and get more of these things out there. So, who knows? Uh, maybe, maybe he'll. Maybe the reason he's radio silent is because he's making his own standalone uh, FPGA SNES box. That would be cool, uh, especially if it did RGB and HDMI at the same time, and especially if it offered things that no one else did, like 4K or whatever else. But uh, I just hope he does something with it because I followed that project for a while, and he obviously put a ton of effort in. And it looked great. It looked, from the videos that he put up, like it was as accurate as one could imagine. So um, hopefully we'll see more from him as well. Uh, but for now, I'm keeping my eyes glued to the Mr. Platform because it's really incredible that all this stuff's happening so quickly. Another quick Mr. update. Somebody released a core for the Altair 8800, which was a computer from 1974 that was often called the first commercially successful home computer. And while this isn't something we're all going to be running out to update to play a game on, it's, in my opinion, really important that stuff like this gets archived because we're going to reach a point in the not-so-distant future where there's just going to be no other way to, to check any of this stuff out without it being some kind of software recreation or FPGA. So thanks to the team that worked on that as well. Eon just officially announced their dual-outputting plug-and-play GameCube device for $150. 
This is based off of Dan's GC Max dual output system. I believe that's the right name. Sorry, Dan, I always screw up the names of your products, but it essentially outputs HDMI via GC video, and it's probably gonna be similar to their last version, just with the latest firmware on it. Uh, but it also uses a Wii analog port so that you can get either component video or RGB out of it in all resolutions that the GameCube supports. Uh, I believe it also gets sync on green as well. I just, I don't know any, why anybody would use that in this scenario, but uh, this looks pretty awesome. On top of all of that, it has a 3.5 millimeter audio jack that could either be digital optical audio or just basic analog audio. So you can't really get any more full featured than this thing. It's plug and play. You just, I mean, there's no configuration. You just put it in. Uh, in $150, and I think that's awesome. And I have a feeling that while I haven't tested it yet, um, I'm probably going to be using this as my go-to GameCube device just because I like the thought of a plug-and-play. Now, with the internals, you could use the GameCube controller to bring up the menu. Um, obviously, anything that's plug-and-play is one more thing that could fall out, although this looks pretty sturdy, so I think I would only worry about that if I were running like a professional live stream that I couldn't have any errors. Uh, but overall, I just I love the thought of being able to take something and plug it into any GameCube um, and just have it work without any configuration. I do think uh, it's probably the best choice for them that they discontinued their HDMI-only version because that was selling for the same price at 150 And essentially, the Insurrection one is the same thing. Um, you know, some people don't like the shuriken design that it's based off of. Some people make fun of that voltage regulator on top. Uh, but the bottom line is, it's half the price, and it works. Uh, I tested the insurrection. I didn't have any problems with it. Uh, I was even able to update it via JTAG, but it was a little confusing. I actually asked Steve from HD Retrovision to do it for me when I was over at his office. And, uh, you know, Steve did it very easily because he knows the programmer software and that programmer very well. But it's not something your average person could just do easily. It's not like adding a file or plugging in with USB. So... Um, but, you know, none of those easily purchasable GC video solutions could be updated that quickly. So uh, at least there was an option for it. You just pop the plastic top right off and, and insert the JTAG connector. So I think, um, you know, no offense to anybody who makes any of these things. For my personal recommendation, if you need HDMI only, at the moment I would use Insurrection just because it's super cheap and it works and they're in stock and ready to go. But anybody that needs either analog or dual outputting, which, I mean, unless you're looking to save money, I kind of, you know, why not have both at the same time? This Eon device really looks like the one to go to. And while it's not up for pre-order yet, they say it'll be out next month. Um, you know, I think last year Eon proved that they could put a product out without any delays. So even if for some reason this thing did get delayed, um, it's going to be measured in weeks, I would guess. I don't have any inside info on this. I just would think that, um, you know, a company that's already proven themselves able to ship product quickly, uh, if there's a delay, it's out of their hands. It's one of these new shipping tariff crap things that we have to deal with or something else. So I would, I would confidently say that, you know, you could get this soon enough. Not only did Eon just announce a new plug-and-play device for the GameCube, but Insurrection Industries announced their version of the GameCube component cable. So it's going to be their same really high-quality connector that plugs into the digital port. 
you'll need to get audio from the analog port, so you could just get a cheap set of, uh, you know, well, a good cheaper set of composite video cables that has shielded audio output. I believe they'll be selling them as well. Um, and they're aiming for delivery by mid-January at under $100. So, you know, they've obviously proven that they're able to put out a cheap product, um, an inexpensive product. Cheap made it sound like it was flimsy. I just mean, uh, you know, a well-priced product. And for somebody that's looking for analog only, this seems like a pretty good option. Uh, it is, I believe it's going to be component video only, no RGB. Uh, you might be able to get sync on green, but once again, I don't understand why you, <laughs> why anybody would when you have those other options. And it, uh, this picture is something that I photoshopped because the picture they put up on their website, it seemed like they photoshopped. Uh, but the description of their cable is going to be essentially their current plug-and-play with a high-quality BNC output going into, uh, coming out from it. So my 100% speculation, I don't know anything about this, but my guess would just be that they probably were able to get some high-quality shielded BNC cables at a great price where it's really hard, as the guys from HG Retrovision will tell you, it's really hard to find some good, high-quality, shielded RCA cabling. So I'm assuming that Insurrection just probably found better BNCs at a price. But for people that need to use these as regular RCA, it, uh, I think they said they'll either offer or it'll come with adapters. So no big deal at all. And I know a lot of people with Extron crosspoints that are probably cheering right now hearing that there's BNC connectors at the end so they don't ever have to worry about them popping out of their high-end switch solutions. So pretty crazy for GameCube fans. You have so many options now where just a year ago you pretty much had none. Um, you did, but, you know, it required botting and they weren't as easy to get. And, you know, some people just don't want to deal with installations. Now there's going to be a handful of high-quality plug-and-play that should have you covered for every output and every price point. Um, so, uh, you know, it's exciting for, for any GameCube owners, and I'm really looking forward to try all of these. Um, you know, I already said I'm probably going to be using Eons primarily just because it has both options at once, but I think having a, a component cable like this is pretty incredible, and I know a lot of people that would use this as their primary source of GameCube gaming. James from Retro HQ posted a basic status update of the projects he's been working on, as well as kind of a company overview, uh, just telling how he got from where he was to working on Retro HQ. Uh, very cool for anybody who's fans of his work, and uh, hopefully someday I can have him on for a full interview, maybe when the Jaguar ROM cart comes out. But not before then, because I don't want to take up any more of your time, so you'll have enough time to finish your ROM cart. <laughs> but uh, anybody who's a fan of the work, definitely check it out. A brand new, even smaller version of the Raspberry Pi was just released called the Raspberry Pi 3A+. And it's uh, supposedly the same speed and performance as the 3B+, but without the network jack and with only one USB port. But the pinout looks the same, so it should be compatible with any other hats that have already been made for it. And, um, you know... I, I personally always like to have a network jack there because I'm one of those nerds that just wants to plug it in and not worry about it. But I think this will be cool for a lot more of those devices that people have been coming out with. Some of the handheld Game Boys and, or, or even just Raspberry Pi uh, gaming solutions for monitors or arcade because you'd be able to fit more into a smaller area with stuff like this. Um, 
Also, it seems like this is going to be the last version of the Raspberry Pi as we know it. Uh, I believe this version is the way it is because they wanted to make sure that it was still compatible with all software from previous versions. Um, so I would assume that maybe in a year or so they'll probably come out with something new that, uh, you know, it's similar in vain that it's a cheap, low-cost device, but probably with all new architecture that isn't compatible with the same software, which is cool because, you know, we want things to evolve, not stay the same. Um, but uh, anybody that wants one of these now, you can get it for $10 cheaper than the B+. I haven't personally tried it out yet, but hopefully I could stick it on my retro tank adapter and see how it works. The National Video Game Museum seems to have stumbled on a real Vectrix Mini. And for a long time, these were just thought to either have been only mock-ups that didn't work, or some people weren't even really sure if those were real. But they found one, and they were able to repair it and get it working, which is kind of neat. Uh, it's funny because it kind of looks a little bit like a network-attached storage drive, a NAS drive. Uh, but it is a fully functional vector monitor in a, a small little case like that and uh, it looks to run all of the same software as the other Vectrix. So kind of neat uh, as a piece of history and hopefully they'll put this on display either working or not in their museum. Genovi from Retro Impressions and Rob from Reddit's Retro Gaming subreddit just interviewed Trip Hawkins, the former CEO of Electronic Arts and the 3DO company. Uh, I'm only about halfway through the interview so far, but it's really cool to always hear those insider info on things, and especially now that it's so far in the past that I think a lot of people, when they talk about things that happened in the 90s, are a lot more likely to open up about some of the nuttier stuff just because, you know, it's all done and in the past. But uh, anybody that's interested in any of that history or just wants to hear a new interview with Trip Hawkins, definitely give it a listen. Sorry for some disappointing news, but despite what every single clickbait-hungry YouTube retro gamer has wanted you to believe, there is no N64 Mini being planned, at least coming directly from the mouth of Nintendo North America president Reggie Filzami. Uh, he said that th when they did the first two classic series, that they were limited-time opportunities to fill the void of those classic games before the Switch's virtual console came online. And now that it is, they're going to be concentrating on doing Switch virtual console games. So maybe it's true, maybe it's not, maybe it's just misdirection and they have one in the pipeline, but who knows. Uh, I personally would, uh, would listen to Reggie about something like this, as opposed to some random screaming YouTuber. Uh, I still don't really understand... I still don't, I genuinely just don't grasp how people watch any of that, but I also don't grasp how people watch Real Housewives, uh, and other people don't grasp how I could watch Voltar do a non-speaking 30-minute installation of a, a high-end technical thing. So to each his own, uh, I'm not trying to shit on anybody, I'm just saying that if you want real information, wait to hear it directly from the companies, don't just pick a clickbait YouTuber that uh, is going to become irrelevant as soon as they stop making in-the-moment videos. Firebrand X will soon be reopening pre-orders for his SSDS3 audio bypass amp. I guess he opened them a few days ago, but they sold out so quickly that he had to cut off the pre-orders, get those made, and then go back to making them again. Video Game Perfection has the RetroTINK 2X in stock. So if you were waiting on one of those and you live in Europe, definitely pick one of those up now. And I believe the U.S. distributors like Castlemania Games will receive them in a few weeks. 
So I guess if you're impatient, you could probably pick up one from Video Game Perfection now anyway. And uh, honestly, I really do love this thing. For a hundred bucks, uh, zero lag added, it looks great. I mean, it's just, it's everything you could ask for in an inexpensive scaler. So anybody that's looking for one, composite S-video and component video up to HDMI 480p. Um, it handles 480i pretty well also. Uh, if you're even the slightest bit interested, definitely check this out. A new super gun was just released called the Parsec from Low Budget. Uh, I don't think Low Budget has watched my podcast in a while because if he did, he'd already know there's a company named Parsec that might confuse people. But uh, point being, there is a uh, it's going to be about $150 including shipping, um, and it's designed to be an inexpensive and supposedly safe super gun. Now I say supposedly not um, not as anything directed towards low budget or his designs, just simply that there are so many different combinations of arcade boards and voltages, and basically there's an infinite amount of ways for things to go wrong, that I would just recommend that anybody looking to purchase a new super gun, or not one of the ones that have a heavy community following, I would seriously consider just getting one of those cheap $100 oscilloscopes too, because you the chances of you getting a weird board that maybe puts out some kind of different voltage is higher rather than lower so i think it'd be worth it to test your equipment i do um i put my money where my mouth is i've had three super guns here in the past couple of weeks and i've put all of them on the scope just to see how they react and it was very interesting to see how the different super guns reacted to different boards that i put on it so uh you know not not shooting any negativity towards low budget just saying uh, unless it's a super gun that has a heavy following in the community where people have already tested and posted their results, like the Hass and like the Sentinel, which is uh, you know kind of the upcoming lower lower priced super gun, um, I would think that you know if you, I guess even with those, if you're putting a board on that nobody's tested it yet, why risk ruining any equipment that you might have when you could get a hundred dollar scope, you know, spend an hour or two learning how to use it and be able to. To measure just to make sure for safety reasons everything's good so another helpful thing is to buy a crappy beat up rgb monitor one of those ones with like uh you know uh, like the security grid burned in that would be awful for gaming you could still get those cheap you know pick one of those up and when you're testing on a scope uh plug it into that then scope it while you could watch it on that monitor that might seem a little ridiculous for somebody just wanting to buy a super gun and play a game, but your average arcade board collector um, is already into it for a pile of stuff like that anyway. So that's certainly what I do. I have a, a uh, it's actually a great monitor, but it's a PVM that I know could take a beating and it's already in great condition. So I know I'm not gonna ruin it, but I always test things on that one first, knowing that uh, if that blows out, it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna be heartbreaking. And I always test it with a scope, and then I put it into my BVM or my OSSC or something else. So, sorry for the safety rant. I certainly wasn't trying to shit on the Parsec Supergun. I guess that was just general Supergun safety tips. Uh, and if anybody buys one and tests it out, please post and let everybody know. Um, you know, there's different arcade forums. You could just post here in the comments. I know a lot of the arcade guys read it, but it would be really great to see how it performs compared to others. If it is as safe as it's trying to be and basically just an overview of it. Artemio and MI Jet are working on an X68000 backup project 
where they're trying to provide a hash database of proper dumps for all of the X68000 disks. So if you have a collection of them um, and you're able to do some good quality rips, please check out the link and see if maybe you could help. Usually stuff like this, there's always one or two people in the comments crying, oh, you know, you're just pirating these things. But I think for something like the X68000, I would hope that almost everybody listening would agree that now that is at the age and at the point where we really are talking about preservation and not piracy. Um, you know, you could certainly have that argument for newer systems, but the X68000 is rare. Uh, it's a lot of the games are, are unique, so, and this is something that I don't want to see get lost to time. So if you have the ability to help, maybe check it out and, uh, and see if there's anything you could submit. A new Dreamcast hardware upgrade was just announced called the Dream Port that adds four Bluetooth controller ports and an upgraded power supply to the Dreamcast. So uh, stuff like this is always pretty neat. For the most part, I prefer to use wired controllers when gaming, but I always like the option for a Bluetooth when testing or just kind of messing around. And um, an upgraded power supply, if it works properly, is great but it's so easy to make a mistake in power supply design. I'm always a little bit skeptical, but hopefully we'll see reviews of this soon and people will be able to test it out. A company called Inside Gadgets is now selling a Game Boy cartridge that allows you to turn your Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, or anything in between into a wireless USB controller. So it's got a USB dongle that's compatible with PC, Raspberry Pi, pretty much everything a USB controller would be compatible with. And this is just a cartridge that uh, takes the commands from the Game Boy and sends them wirelessly. They even have a GameCube adapter they'll be offering. Um, I think it's open for pre-order now. So this is a really neat and really weird gadget. I would love to see how much lag, if any, this thing adds and how it works. Uh, just making a low-lag wireless controller alone is a challenge, let alone translating from the commands of a Game Boy to USB and everything. But... It's kind of neat, and I hope someday I could at least play around with one and see how it works. Professor Abrasive has just posted an update on his Sega Saturn plug-and-play flash cart. Um, a few small things. The new PCBs arrived, and they're better, but not perfect. But the company he's working with has been... Uh, the new company he's been working with is better, so he expects replacement soon enough. Uh, he's been working on making sure the bootloader is absolutely perfect because that's the one thing that can't be updated after it ships, whereas other firmware and menu stuff can. Uh, and kind of a big one, he said he's opening the source code of the menu up uh, and it'll be available on GitHub as well as a customized emulator that allows you to test it, which I think is really awesome because uh, no offense to Professor Abrasive, he himself has talked about this, but a, a lot of developers do such a good job on the back end and don't really do as good of a job on the menus as most people would appreciate. So uh, I think it's awesome that he's just opening this up for people to make their own menus. And that, that certainly was the case for the GDMU. It was really cool that we got a GUI for that. And I hope this turns into some pretty cool menu additions. Uh, same thing with the SD to SNES and a whole bunch of carts have their own custom uh, open source menus. So I thought that was pretty neat. And any of his Patreon subs uh, subscribers could read the full update via the link in the post. James F. has just posted a guide on shmups that shows how to calibrate one of those cheap SCART to YUV converters using an oscilloscope. Um, and this is a, a great guide and something that Stee and I touched upon when I was out there visiting. Uh, we first, when, uh, when he visited me in New York, we did the video on how to use the scope and used RGBS as examples. 
when I was out in Chicago, we did another video on how to use the scope to test component video signals. And while we were there, we started a video that 100% uh, my fault that it's not finished, but uh, we started a video that compared RGB to component video converter boxes and then kind of showed why some were good and some were terrible. And funny enough, this one was one that performed fine if you tweaked it, but each one performed completely different from another. So you could have two off the same run of production and tune one perfectly with the scope, get all the values, uh, replace the pots with resistors, verify that everything's fine, then put those same resistors in a different one and it would act completely different. So while these things are inexpensive and have the potential to perform well, uh, you absolutely need to adjust them. And the only way to really do it right is by using a scope. Uh, I've adjusted it by eye before and it was all right, but not good. So if you have a scope, you already have one of these. Uh, and also you should probably get like a nine volt power supply instead of the 12 volt that comes with it so it doesn't run so hot. But you could potentially have yourself a pretty decent SCART to component converter. Uh, and, you know, spoilers, uh, the end of the video we found that while most of the RGB to component converters out there are not good, one or two were terrible, and the shiny bow one performed great across the board. Uh, it's expensive, it's over a hundred bucks, but if anybody's looking for one of those right now, uh, without any tweaking, get the shiny bow. If you have a scope and you don't mind some tweaking, uh, this one, give it a try and see. And uh, thanks to James F. for posting the guide up for everybody. I already talked a bunch about the Mr. stuff that's been going on, but I figured it was worth just doing a quick run through of a post Smoke Monster just made, bringing everybody up to speed and um, just last night, so it should be pretty accurate by the time this airs. Uh, a lot of the cores got scalar updates, so if you're going through HDMI, it should look better. Um, the Motorola 68000 cycle accurate chip core has been added to the Genesis. Um, and there's been some updates to the NES Famicom disk system, as well as some more palette updates. Of course, Game Gear uh, added to the SMS and a bunch of fixes for Game Boy. So hopefully, uh, hopefully this won't air to another round of updates and this will be up to date. But honestly, I just, I'd rather see more than less. It's really exciting that this has become a community project that so many people are involved in. And lastly, Crix's Black Friday sale starts this Friday, where everything is 20% off from a store. So if you've been waiting on getting something, if you're thinking, ah, eh, should I, shouldn't I, now's definitely the time to pick one up because they're super cheap, uh, and I think he has everything in stock, and 20% is a pretty huge discount. So um, I'm not sure what else I don't have of his, but I'm sure I'll buy something on there. Well, I wasn't sure if today's podcast was going to run long or short. I guess it was on the longer side, but it is what it is. I don't make this stuff up. I just kind of tell everybody uh, when it happens and sometimes add my opinions when I feel it might be necessary or make a difference. Hopefully there wasn't too much word vomit in this and people got a good sense of what's been going on. Uh, anybody in the States, have a safe and restful holiday weekend. Uh, everybody else, enjoy laughing at Americans for having a lazy holiday weekend. See you guys next week.